0: A lot of times we see life insurance used in retirement, not because someone needs it for those reasons we just talked about, but there's some other goal that they're trying to achieve. So maybe the goal is to reduce taxes. Maybe the goal is to leave a legacy, enhance what gets left to the next generation or charity. When is that a conversation you would actually have? It's after you know that you've taken care of yourself.
1: Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified, with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then, let's get started.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 38 of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I am your host, Joe Curry, and as always with me, my co-host, Lindsay Wilson. How are you today, Lindsay?
2: I'm good, Joe. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks. What I was thinking the last time I asked you what's new and you didn't mention it, but I thought maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what you have next in your acting career. What's going oh, on?
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm very lucky. I get to participate in a play called The Tilco Strike. There was a plastics factory here in Peterborough. 35 women went on strike for better wages and better treatment. They didn't win, but they did change the course of employment history in Ontario. So, pretty cool story to be telling. And I get to be one of those women who is striking. Amazing. And that's Fourth Line Theater in Millbrook, which is a great theater, outdoors, fantastic place to go.
0: That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. I think that's exciting stuff that I get to share with our audience.
2: Fun. How about you?
0: Oh, me? Probably still not a whole lot of new since the last time I talked to you. <laughs> but today we're taking a little bit of a turn from our last few topics. More of the risk management side of things, I guess you could call it. We're going to talk about. Do you need life insurance in retirement? And the reason I thought we would talk about this today is a lot of times I get that specific question. A lot of other times when we're working with people looking at doing their retirement plan as they're getting ready to transition into retirement, sometimes the assumption is automatically like, oh, we're going to go ahead and cancel those policies or they're about to run out. We don't need those anymore. Without actually looking at it from the bigger picture, that 30,000 foot view. hmm So I thought today we could just take a look at when does someone actually need life insurance in retirement? And then also I wanted to touch on when is it maybe something someone could have, not because they need it, but because they want it, because it's going to enhance their situation in some way based on their personal goals and values.
2: I think it's a great topic. One of the things I'm curious to delve into is life insurance needs. You know, what are some of the considerations if you think that you need life insurance in retirement?
0: we'll get right into the specific needs. So there's not generally a lot of needs, especially for by most of the people listening to this podcast. But there are some scenarios. It's fairly rare, but I see a little bit more lately is retiring with some debt. That's a scenario where a lot of people want to keep some life insurance just to make sure that debt's taken care of if something happens to them. So that's one. But again, it is for most of the people we're working with pretty rare To see people carrying the debt. But another reason would be if we have dependents. So most retiring couples or singles don't generally have kids still at home because of their age, but they may have a dependent child because of a medical condition, whether it's physical or mental. And they want to make sure that they're provided for beyond their lifetime. So life insurance is a great tool for that. Money is going to be left in trust in most cases, but to make sure that care is provided We probably won't go into too much of the details of how we set up beneficiaries and all that kind of stuff, but just thinking more of the needs. Mm -hmm. Another reason we might want to have life insurance and retirement when we're thinking about our retirement planning is if we're talking about a couple and one spouse in the couple has a lot of guaranteed income. So maybe they have a big defined benefit pension plus their CPP and their old age security. And that income is what's basically generating all of the cash flow required to fund the lifestyle for the couple. So if something happens to that spouse, there's a good chance that that pension's reduced quite a bit. So probably down to 60% is what we typically see. There might be a survivor benefit for the CPP, depending on what the other spouse has. But if the other spouse has you know, a pretty high amount of CPP, like the survivor doesn't get all of the CPP, if that Canada pension plan as a survivor benefit it's only up to the max of what an individual will have. So it might be topped up a little bit, but it's possible there's not really a lot of benefit there. And only security or OAS, that's just an individual benefit. So if you pass away, there's no survivor benefit on that. So it's possible in a scenario like that, where the household income drops pretty substantially on the passing of one space. So in a scenario like that, we could use life insurance to create a lump sum that could be invested to generate some income for the surviving space. Those would be the most typical scenarios where we would see a need for life insurance. So there's not a lot of scenarios, but there are a few.
2: Let's say you had a client that was looking at life insurance as a want or to enhance their wealth transfer and reduce taxes if they're looking at it from that kind of point of view or strategy. And when do you have this conversation? When do you know you've taken care of yourself for your lifetime or you have that life insurance there to take care of that wealth transfer?
0: A lot of times we see life insurance used in retirement, not because someone needs it for those reasons we just talked about, but there's some other goal that they're trying to achieve. So maybe the goal is to reduce taxes. Maybe the goal is to leave a legacy, enhance what gets left to the next generation or charity. So we can go a little deeper on that. I think kind of where you're going with that is when is that a conversation you would actually have? Mm -hmm. It's after you know that you've taken care of yourself. So we want to make sure that you're going to get through your retirement, you're going to have the lifestyle that you want to live and you're not going to be dependent on somebody else for money or asking for money because you gave too much away or your expenses were too high or anything else in retirement. Once we know you're in a situation where you're going to be able to fund your lifestyle, no matter how long you live, you're not going to outlive your money and you still have additional funds there. That's when we start having this conversation about, okay, what do you want to happen with this excess money? Is it important for you to maximize what goes to the next generation or to charity? And then we can start looking at what are the options to do that? So, specifically, if we're talking about taxes, there could be substantial taxes. So, if it's a couple, the surviving spouse, when they pass away, or if it's single, it's just when that person passes away. So, there's a lot of different potential taxes. There's going to be taxes on your registered accounts, so RRSPs or RIFs. Basically, anything in those accounts could be taxed up to 53%, depending on how much is left in there. There could be non registered investments that have large capital gains, there could be a cottage that has a big capital gain. So if it's important that like, your heirs, the next generation, gets kind of the full value of these assets, you could use life insurance to take care of the tax liability. We know that, you know, if the couple or again, the single person puts the life insurance in place to offset that tax liability, then the kids should get the full value of the assets in the estate. Right. Now, a bit of a twist on that. We talked about this with Mark Halpern on the show back in the fall. So in the show notes, we'll link to that but we talked about using charity as a beneficiary for your life insurance. So what you could do as another way of taking care of those taxes, doing good and helping your next generation do well is we could get a life insurance policy in place where you leave, The money of the policy to a charity. So when you pass away and what happens is the charity gets that money and the estate then gets an offsetting tax receipt. And so that tax receipt is basically like a 50% refund on that life insurance proceeds. And so what that does then is it's offsetting the taxes of the estate. That's another way, rather than just leaving the money specifically to pay taxes, you leave the money to charity, get the tax receipt. So charity gets money, the kids get to keep everything in the estate. And the only one losing in that scenario is CRA because now all of a sudden there's no taxes left to be paid. So that's a good one. That's a favorite one of ours. And that's why we talked quite a bit about that with Mark earlier on the podcast.
2: And what if we break it down into, say like wealth transfer or someone who wants to enhance their legacy?
0: So in a lot of scenarios, again, where we get to that situation where we know that the clients are not going to outlive their money, right? They're not going to spend everything. So we can start looking at, well, how do we enhance that? So kind of forgetting about the tax piece for a minute, we could just keep that money invested the way you know we're investing the rest of the portfolio. We could try to let that grow and leave it to the next generation. And that's fine, that's one option. But if we're looking for an option that's maybe a little bit more predictable, it's providing money upfront, it's easily transferable to the kids on death. We could look at life insurance. So if we put money into life insurance, at the end of the day, if I buy a million dollar life insurance policy today and I pass away tomorrow, my kids will get a million dollars tomorrow, right? So we're automatically enhancing what the kids will get right away. If we push that out like 30 years, there's still, depending on the type of insurance we do, but we can definitely set it up. So there's still a positive return on that money. And the benefit is we don't need as much of a return on life insurance as we do on, say, stocks, because life insurance is going to pass 100% tax free to the kids. So this is a way if the clients have a good-sized portfolio that's more than capable of taking care of their lifestyle and like their retirement lifestyle. But well we could take carve out a piece of that portion. We could contribute that as premiums into a life insurance policy, and it's going to enhance the estate and leave more money to the kids. Mm-hmm. Now we could actually take that to another level, even beyond what I'm talking about for business owners. So we have business owners who accumulated a lot of assets inside a holding company during their working years. And the money's in there, it's growing, it's accumulating. Maybe they're taking some of it out as a paycheck to support the retirement, but they know they're never going to spend all of it. What happens is the holding company, there's going to be tax on that when those shares are disposed of when the clients pass away on any growth in the holding company. Mm-hmm. So on the value of that, so we have to pay capital gains. And then if the kids want to take money out of there as a dividend, they then have to go and pay the personal tax. So it's almost like a double tax for the kids to get their hands on the money that's in there. So there's different tax planning strategies to address that. One of the simplest is literally taking some of those retained earnings in the holding company and putting it into a life insurance policy. Because when they pass away, that life insurance policy will pay out to the holding company. So the holding company would actually be the beneficiary. And what happens is the majority of that death benefit can then be paid out tax-free from the holding company out to the shareholders. So in most cases, the kids in this scenario to the estate. So what's happening is it's the life insurance proceeds actually create a credit to the capital dividend account. This is a notional account. It's an accounting term. But again, basically what it means is anything in that capital dividend account can flow out of the corporation tax free. So had we just invested the money in the corporation, we can grow the money. We might be able to grow it a little bit more depending on the timeline. Again, if it's a shorter timeline, we probably can't match the life insurance. But If we keep it invested, it gets paid out as a regular dividend, it's fully taxable. But if it comes out through the life insurance, it's basically tax-free. There might be a little bit that doesn't fit into the CDA, but the majority of it gets in there. So it's just a way to enhance what's left to the beneficiaries of the business owner in that scenario.
2: What about something like a scenario about, say, estate equalization?
0: Yeah, so maybe a business owner. Actually, there's a couple scenarios with business owners, so maybe I'll back up a little bit. One might just be like simply succession planning, So Lindsay, if you and I owned a company together and something were to happen to me, you might not want to be a business partner with Ashley, my wife, or my kids or whatever the scenario is. We could put in place life insurance to cover kind of a buy-sell agreement Mm. so that if I pass away, the life insurance then creates the funds needed to give my kids the money and you in exchange get the shares. Right. It's just a way to have a kind of a clean break there, but to make sure that my estate or my kids actually get another full value of the company Yeah, and you carry on, but they're having to be partners with my family.
2: I think another example, we chatted about this earlier. I was thinking of cousins of mine, sisters, one sister inherited the family cottage, one sister had the life insurance. So there was an equality there, but it was just different in terms of how it was paid out, right?
0: Yeah. So that's back to what you were mentioning, estate equalization. So that could be used for a business, could be used for a cottage. Those are two good examples. Maybe there's two kids and one kid wants the cottage or the business, whichever the scenario is, and the other one has no interest at all. So what you could do is you could have life insurance that's left to the child who wants nothing to do with the asset, again, whether it's a cottage or the business or whatever it is. The whole idea of that is so they're getting something that's fair relative to the asset that the other child gets. So if one gets the cottage, the other one gets a million dollars in life insurance, then everybody's happy. And no one feels like mom or dad mistreated them. And there's not a bad legacy left there, so to speak. But you also mentioned cottage. So another thing to consider with the cottage, and this could be business as well, is a lot of people, they want to keep the family cottage in the family. But unfortunately, a lot of these cottages were bought 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, worth almost nothing. And we know what real estate has been like in Canada for the last number of years. So you know, there would be a cottage purchased for $30,000. It's now worth $2 million. So the amount of tax that needs to be paid on that to keep it in the family could be pretty extraordinary, right? We could be looking in that scenario a half a million dollars of tax. So that's another way to make sure that we can keep an asset like that in the family is to have some life insurance set aside to pay the capital gain taxes so that the family isn't forced to sell the cottage in order to keep it in the family.
2: It's interesting, Bob Govro, who was on our show, used this very example. Of course, we were discussing business succession planning, but he did use the example of the cottage where he had a client who, again, purchased that cottage for $20,000, had a child and their spouse who you know, made up what we would consider a decent middle-class salaries. But then the woman wanted the cottage to stay in the family, but hadn't realized the economic burden that would be on the next generation. In this case, I don't think they had life insurance. So he did point out the the economic burden, but you're right in the sense that life insurance could be left behind to cover those capital gains and an easy economic burden.
0: Yeah, the capital gains is just part of it. So part of what Bob talked about is not only is there the capital gains tax, but beyond that, if you have a million or $2 million cottage, you might be spending 10000 to $30,000 a year on property taxes, plus you have the maintenance, the upkeep, the insurance, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I mean, you could use life insurance to fund those. I mean, you could almost set something up in trust to take care of those expenses ongoing. Mm-hmm. And one of the other issues that a lot of people don't think about with the family cottage is who's going to be responsible for the upkeep if there's more than one child. The idea of keeping the family cottage in the family is a great idea, but in a lot of cases, it would be easier to just have it liquidated kids get their money and if they want to go buy another cottage or whatever the scenario is, then that's great. Or if there is one that really is a lot more fond of their memories there and wants to keep it and the other one doesn't, then that's where the equalization option might be a good one.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: So look, at the end of the day, you know, there's not a lot of needs, but there are some needs for life insurance. And then everything else we're just talking about is really about, do you want to enhance your legacy? Do you want to leave more to charity? Do you want to leave less to CRA? And do you want your kids to get more money? So that's kind of like my wrap up, but. Maybe I'll let you kind of give your recap on what we just talked about, Lindsay.
2: Yeah, I think whether or not you need life insurance and retirement, as we've discussed, really comes down to your specific circumstances and needs. Obviously, if you have dependents or a significant income that ends when you pass away, life insurance could be necessary to provide financial protection and that ongoing income. If you have a large estate or you own a business, life insurance can be used to enhance wealth transfer and reduce taxes. I think ultimately what we could say is it's important to consider all the factors. And as we always recommend, consult with the professionals, consult with a financial advisor or insurance specialist to determine what's best for your individual situation. I think that's sort of our recap of it.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. And maybe just add one thing is just because you're retired, you paid off your mortgage, whatever it is, it's not always a great idea just to cancel your life insurance policy without giving it any thought, just the way you mentioned, Lindsay because when you have it in place, you have options. But as soon as you get rid of it, you often lose your options, especially if you're near retirement age. Usually there's been some kind of health issues at some point along the way, even if you're generally healthy, that makes it a lot harder to get a new policy in place. So definitely worth taking the time to explore your options and your goals with someone who can help you with this type of planning.
2: Absolutely. And as always, All of the information, links to to other podcasts will be in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. And of course, if you have any questions, topics, issues on retirement that are are top of mind, don't hesitate to reach out. Our contact information will be in the show notes. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated an approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners, Inc., ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any
1: recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.